Hey everybody, I'm Chucky. This is Jason. We're at the Red Rock Racing Sportsbook for the Sports Betting Podcast bookends. And Jay, I'm not even sure where to start, but I guess I'll kick it off with World <laughs> Cup. So it's football. I mean, it's been crazy. I mean, just the crowds, the atmosphere, the excitement. And Cinderella is definitely wearing a grass slipper with the Moroccan team right now. They've only given up one goal. Um, they opened the tournament at 225 to 1. We do have some tickets at 225 to 1 and some tickets at 200 to 1. And there's a number of guests that have winning t- or tickets that potentially pay five figures. So they're all smiling right now. But I think World Cup's been great. I worried about it a little bit going kind of head-to-head this late in the season with football. But the impact has just been tremendous. Crowds here early in the morning, rooting the day on, tying it to football games and basketball and hockey and other stuff. And it's been a great tournament so far. And again, kind of have that Cinderella story right now as we go into the quarterfinals. Yeah, and Morocco, obviously the the, the shocker as we talk about uh, not being able to knock off Spain, uh, the nil-nil tie, and then they go and uh, win in PKs. They're not going to have to play uh, Portugal in this next round. That goaltender is a, is a hero right now. Yeah, a 6-1 winner against the Swiss. Uh, Ronaldo uh, didn't play for most of that game, came in as a replacement. We'll see the story there, but uh, Portugal is a goal favorite in that game, so Morocco's going to have to keep that Cinderella slipper on uh, to keep going. We've got two games on Friday, two games on Saturday. Brazil still sitting at the favorite, as the favorite for the tournament, goal-and-a-half favorite over Croatia. France is the second favorite, but they've got a tough game coming up here against England, um, and then they'll have to go into that Portugal-Morocco winner. So Brazil's kind of still sitting pretty, but uh, obviously we'll see if there's more upsets to come. It really has been fun even kind of spending time out in the room and just seeing kind of the crowds that gather, especially, you know, we're such an international city and you have international guests here that kind of had gathered and really rooted on, uh, you know, their countries, and it's been fun to watch. It's been loud and exciting, and as Jay mentioned, there's still some really good soccer going on for these teams. Yeah, and I think it's a great thing is, again, Friday we're going to have a 7 o'clock game and an 11 o'clock game. Saturday we've only got the one big uh, kind of college football game with Army-Navy, so it gets replaced by a 7 a.m. soccer game and an 11 a.m. soccer game. So Saturday morning, you like you said, we'll be uh, watching the football instead of the football. I I love it. Um, We're going to touch just a little bit now, too, on on college football. Um, We'll dive into that more in the coming weeks with all the bowl games and everything. Uh, First, the two... um, playoff games you know you've got TCU playing Michigan and Ohio State playing Georgia I know we had a lot of internal discussions about you know would TCU still get in or not I know you really felt strongly that they would and you were a hundred percent correct Um, I think the committee got it right I, I think with the way TCU lost in that game winning their conference you know being undefeated lost in their conference title game um, in overtime that I think they got it right. Southern Cal had every opportunity to get in. I know there was some people that really felt that, hey, should Bama get in or not, losing two games on the very last play of the game, but they've never taken a two-loss team. So for me, I think they got it right. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I'm okay with the way the four teams got in. I mean, you talk about being here in Las Vegas and us talking about power rankings and point spreads, you know, getting Alabama in instead of TCU would make for some more competitive games. Alabama would have been a much shorter uh, underdog right. or even a favorite against some of these teams that are still alive. Uh, that was Nick Saban's take, argument, that we'd the, be a favorite yeah, against everybody but Georgia. Taking the place of TCU. But I, I was I was strong and steadfast in that I believed even if TCU lost to Kansas State, um, that they were going to remain in that three-hole, that I didn't think they were going to fall out having to go play the 13th game against a you know solid-ranked Kansas right. State team um, and that they, put, they they went to overtime with. So, um, you know, we'll see where the games go from here. We talk about uh, Michigan. We open nine. Um, with them. It's come down a little. A um, little bit come down now at eight. We actually made the game a little bit higher, so made it nine. So uh, coming down to eight with the fans liking TCU. And um, we opened six on Georgia. 
creeped up to, to six and a half against Ohio State. You are seeing some sevens out there. A uh, long way to go um, before we get to these games, both with really high totals in that 60 to 61 standpoint. So it looks like we should see some, some fireworks with some scoreboards being lit up, but still a long way to go and still waiting on C. Obviously, we know Smith Najigma is not going to play from wide receiver from Ohio State, um, and we'll see the health of these guys going on. And Blake Corum, the running back from Michigan, is also not going to be appearing in this game. I'm glad you brought that up a little bit about Smith Najigma because – you know, you're not going to see a lot of guys from these these four schools maybe transfer, but I think when you look at the bowl picture as a whole now, it is so much different over the last couple of years than it ever has been before, and probably even more so this year than next year is the transfer portal. We used to worry about you know kind of key players, um, you know, would they would they not want to risk injury um, because they're entering the NFL draft, and that's a big part of it. But the transfer portal, you've got some schools that have eight, nine, ten guys that are already transferring or entering the portal that you might get to a case, maybe not this year, but in the not-too-distant future where you have to cancel a bowl game because a school can't field a team. Well, I talked about yesterday um, the record for players in the portal on a given day was 207, and there was 775, Crazy, 775 right. kids that entered the portal yesterday. And we're taking a more conservative approach on our bowl game. Uh, we put about half the bowl games up. Um, there's a, a number of bowl games that we have question marks on specific quarterbacks, whether right. they're going to be playing in the games. Um, we do have a bunch of coaching changes um, that are occurring with teams in the bowl games. Just came so, across today that Levis for Kentucky won't be playing. Yeah, so, I mean, again, when you look at the bowl schedule, we tried to really put up as many of those bowl games as we can that we think are matchups that um, the players that, as we've seen, them play through the season are going to play in those bowl games but you'll do notice that we do have several bowl games down um, we hope to get those up as soon as possible but the reason for that is um, we just don't know who's playing in those games the one that really stands out for me is alabama and kansas state is that we've already seen this number start to drop we know that alabama's got two guys that potentially could be the first and second overall pick in the draft you haven't heard anything yet about them opting out for the nfl draft but you have to think that that's a possibility um yeah i mean all these teams uh, the, the the clemson's the Alabama's that we're normal seeing going to these bowl games. All these guys, all these teams have four and five guys that are going to be number one, you know, first these round, first second round, second third round, round draft picks. picks. And yeah. what's the benefit that for them right. to play in these bowl games? We we see Notre Dame with uh, Drew Pine transferring out or putting himself in the portal. As he's the starting quarterback in Notre Dame with uh, Boucher being hurt. So Notre Dame, we don't even know who their no quarterback, quarterback is right. at this point in time. So, so there's some of the questions that we have lingering. Again, we hope to get these bowl games up as soon as possible. So just check out the app. You can check out all of our books. We've got a lot of the games up. But we'll be adding more and more games as we get a little bit more information. And as Jay mentioned, a little bit of a conservative approach right now. Um, before we kind of dive into this week's pro football slate, just want to touch on um, our signature contest, Last Man Standing. We have a winner in both the college and pro contest. A college winner, one winner, won $100,000. The pro winner, one winner, won $150,000. And in both cases, just kind of dramatic finishes on the last day. The college winner had Auburn plus 22 and a half against Alabama, lost 49-27. I mean, really, really kind of, you know, you had to sweat it out. And you think about the pro winner. Uh, they had the Commanders against the Atlanta Falcons two weeks ago, minus four and a half. Atlanta had a first and goal with under a minute to go. And on the second play through an interception, uh, they had a chance to win that game in overtime. So actually talking with the winner, he said he was definitely sweating that one out. So we were sweating it for him, just kind of, you know, watching to see what would happen. But uh, two winners, both coincidentally enough, at our Green Valley Ranch property. And, uh, you know, congratulations to both you guys. Tremendous. I should say to one woman and one man, congratulations, you guys, on a you know, phenomenal season and winning our pro and college last man standing. And that tells you, I mean, you got 
two solid winners, a $100,000 winner in the college and a $150,000 winner in the pro. And, you know, she wins it by a half a point in that last week, and he's about to lose that game. And so that, that thin people. line of right. winning and losing um, each and every week makes it why this con contest is so tough. And, and why it means so much to be able to win it. And we really had multiple people who were kind of tied going into the last weeks of each one, so one was able to survive. So it really is the last person standing. So, again, congratulations. Great job uh, to both you guys. And we will our, our next last man standing contest will come up as we hit the college basketball tournament season. Um, so look for that uh, end of February, early March, um, and get signed up for last man standing uh, college basketball. All right, so we're going to come back. We're going to jump into to the pro section, or uh, the pro segment, I should say, uh, on bookends and really dive into a few games before we get into our, our final segment, which is uh, Stephen Money's fantasy football fever and, of course, the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll be right back on bookends. All right, let's see what we got here. Is it okay that I said a man and a woman instead of female and a male? Okay. One that identifies as a he and one that identifies Whoa. as a she. We have a he and a she. A he and a she. You're right into it. You guys know the games? Yeah. It's football season, baby. And you know what that means. It's time to bet your buns off. And when it comes to sports betting, you better bet with the STN Sports app. So what in the heck are you waiting for? Download the STN Sports app today and trust the local favorite. Hey everybody, we're back at Red Rocks Racing Sportsbook for the pro section, or segment I should say, of bookends. And it starts on Thursday night. The Raiders against the Rams. Raiders on a three-game winning streak. The betters, you guys are backing the Raiders again. You, you, you backed them for nine straight weeks. You left them, but last week you were back on them, and you got the W in that game against the Chargers. They play a beat-up Rams team. Not exactly sure if it's going to be uh, Wilford at quarterback or Perkins or maybe even Baker Mayfield. Uh, the Raiders are almost a touchdown favorite here on Thursday night. 78% of the tickets right now are on the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, and it, it'll, I have a feeling it's going to be a lot more than that by the time we get to game time, especially if uh, the Rams announce that it's Perkins or potentially Baker Mayfield. Uh, the Rams, obviously, we, all, we know the injury bug uh, has plagued this team with no Stafford, no Cooper Cub, um, just not getting it done on the back end on the defensive standpoint. They did play hard last week. Wolford came in, led them played competitively, actually had a lead on the Seahawks right. late. Um, again, were unable to stop uh, Metcalf and uh, lock it down uh, on those last plays. Geno Smith looked absolutely fantastic, and essentially we saw the Raiders play that Seahawks team tough, so they're getting another tough team. Raiders head on the road, though, as a six-point favorite. Um, we'll see if that uh, point spread comes into play and if that's what kind of is stopping the people from having the Raiders lay six points because these guys really have been kind of the cardiac kids right. finding their way late in games and heading to overtimes uh, and, and sealing these games late. But the car to Devontae Adams hookup has been magical of late, and obviously uh, Josh Jacobs has been, uh, you know, from a fantasy perspective and an NFL running back perspective, has been one of the top leagues uh, backs in the league the last several weeks. I, I think you hit it. It's kind of the cardiac kids is last year. Those were the games they were winning to so the first like eight to ten weeks this year those were the games they weren't winning but now they've started winning them again I think the key is Waller's not going to be back yet it looks like week 15 against the Patriots but it's Josh Jacobs we know that he's banged up he's had the quad injury but he's had the extra time to get rested up now he's got a short week they're on the road against the Rams Rams still play 
pretty good defense. You've seen maybe a little early action come in against the Rams, but ticket count really favors the Raiders in this one. The other thing from a Raiders standpoint in watching their games, they're playing much looser. They're, they're you know, they're, they should. they're kind of right. out of things right, right now. Maybe the pressure's not all there. We're seeing some flea flickers. We're seeing, you know, right. them kind of pulling out all the stops and, 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 and you know, that's a, that makes for a dangerous team when you do those things and uh, going forward on fourth downs and that type of stuff when, right. you, when you've got nothing to lose, uh, you, just, you know, spells doom for another team. But the Rams are somewhat in the same situation. They just don't have a lot of uh, horses in the stable right. um, with the fact that they're so beat up uh, on the offensive and defensive side. No of Donald, no Cup, no Stafford. I think when you look at the year that Devontae Adams is having and Carr throws it up, he seems like there's always that, that separation there with the DB. He's always open. He makes the big play. There's a certain quarterback in the NFC North right now, although Watson's playing a little bit better, that I'm sure misses that receiver. Yeah, and it's not only the plays that he makes, the big catches. He also draws what seems to be a pass interference call right. in just about right. every game. And it's a big one. It's a it's a third and 11, and he finds a way to get that pass interference call. So, I mean, you can see why Devontae Adams is at the top of the league from a wide receiver standpoint, and that rapport with Carr is developing and continues to get better, making the dang, uh, the Raiders kind of a dangerous team as we get down, uh, down the stretch here. So now we're going to jump to the NFC North. North, uh, Vikings against the Lions. Uh, Vike, I guess you can say that both teams are really kind of a surprise this year. The Vikings in, in the second seed in the NFC have really, I think, exceeded everybody's expectations. We talked about it before the season. You want to rewind that we thought the Vikings would win the North, that the Packers probably wouldn't make the playoffs, but I didn't think they were only a two-loss team. And then you look at Detroit, who really has played well of late. I mean, they're kind of on the cusp of being in the wild card discussion. Uh, they're 5-0 and in their last five games against the number. In their last 11 games at home, they're 9-2 and against the number. They led Detroit, Minnesota earlier in the season uh, throughout the entire game before they lost late in the game. Yet the betters, you guys, are actually backing the Vikings in here, getting points as almost 65% of the tickets are on Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Delvin Cook against Detroit. Well, and it doesn't make sense when you look at the line, how right. you know, the leader in the division uh, sitting with only two losses, going up against, a, I think, a 4-7 and seven and 4-7-1 and one type team, um, and they're, they're a dog on the road. Um, and you spoke to it that Detroit um, really kind of had their number um, the first time they played in this game. I think they had a 14-point lead going into the fourth quarter right. that the, like, uh, the Lions ended they up They found a way to lose, and right. The and, and you could say that about the Lions, or the Vikings in a lot of their games, is that um, they're not dominating teams. They're another team that's kind of finding ways to win late. Um, you know, the, the Patriot game, uh, you doing with special teams. And they just, Kirk Cousins has kind of found a way to win these games. And it's just a matter of can he win the big game when they're on the, the national spotlight. And obviously when you talk about the Justin Jefferson and, and Dalvin Cook, they do have the offensive weapons. Um, the division has been wide open, obviously, yep. with the Packers and Bears struggling and the Lions are, are you know still a losing team. Um, but Goff has been much better of late. They're getting kind of healthy in that backfield with Swift. Amon St. Brown just seems to amaze us each and every week. Uh, a monster win on the, at home against uh, Jacksonville this week. Um, seems to be getting somewhat better on the defensive right. side of the football. Uh, but again, a good revenge game, a divisional game. Uh, but still surprised um, that the Lions are such a favorite here. I do expect this number to come down as we should see public money on the Vikings. You, you know, it's strange, but the last couple of weeks we've seen a number of games that kind of have the same MO, where the number moves a certain way, where maybe you've got money that favors one team, but ticket count favors the other team. So it's almost a little bit maybe Joe versus Pro in some of these cases that you see. But I agree with you. I think this number will start to come down a little bit. I don't think it gets to three. I think it has a much better chance to go down to two or one and a half. 
Uh, let's look at the next game on the board, and that's the Jets-Bills, a big AFC East battle. Um, the Jets under five of their last seven games. Um, also, five of their last seven games against the Bills has gone under. Bills almost a double-digit favorite, but ticket count is almost split 50-50. Uh, 51% of the tickets right now showing on the Jets. Mike White, this is his third game at quarterback. Tough spot to go play in Buffalo. Bill's got some bad news today that Von Miller looks like not only is he on the IR, but he's going to be out for the year. So they're not going to have him back at all. But it's a very good Bills team. With the Chiefs loss to the Bengals last week, they're back to the number one seed in the AFC. They're at home, one of the toughest places to play. Almost, like I said, double-digit favorites against the Jets. Yeah, and, and as we sit here in comfy Las Vegas and our in our nice weather, uh, one of the things when we start talking about the East Coast games and games throughout the NFL um, – it, when you're sitting in Las Vegas, remember that it's the middle of December and the back right. in the East Coast. Check your weather reports. Know what's going on from a weather standpoint. Know what's going on from a wind standpoint. Um, it has a lot of effect on these games. Right. This game in particular, check the Buffalo forecast. Um, obviously, when we talk about the Jets all the time, we talked about it last week, we're, we, we're enamored with the defense. We're enamored with the young man, Sauce Gardner, who's been absolutely electric Terrific. from a cornerback position. Um, kind of locked up Justin Jefferson last week. Didn't have a, He didn't have a big right. game for the Vikings. Was able to score a touchdown, but still um, enough to get over the hump and to have the Vikings beat the Jets, but really the Jets struggled on the offensive side of the football. Were able to move the football consistently they had chances into the red to zone. Score, right. um, ended up settling for a lot of field goals. Mike White wasn't able to find the end zone. Did have some key drops. Did have a key drop um, from Berrios that would have put them over the top right. and given them a chance to, to beat the Vikings. Um, so they've just got to be better this week against a, obviously a super tough Bills team, uh, but we'll see if Sauce Gardner um, on digs. hands up digs and maybe that opens up Gabriel yeah. Davis or McKenzie um, from that standpoint, or we'll see if Josh Allen just attacks the young rookie um, with Stefan Diggs to just see if Stefan Diggs can go man on with, with Gardner uh, from a rookie standpoint. So I'm excited about seeing that battle. But a big point spread here, getting a lot of points with the Jets, who do have a good defense. It's just a matter of what Mike White can do with that offense. And you talked about it, weather. I mean, Bill's Mafia loves that weather in Orchard Park and, and the cold and the wind. And Josh Allen with that big arm has really been a perfect fit uh, for, the, for the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and Cook, uh, the running back uh, for the Bills, Singletary's kind of been their guy. But Cook has really been uh, getting a lot more of the carries, a lot more usage, especially catching run uh, balls out of the backfield. So they've now developing even more of a two-headed monster in that backfield, which does nothing but help that Bills uh, offense. Right. Now let's jump to the NFC East. We just talked about the AFC East. Eagles-Giants. Eagles come into this game about a touchdown favorite. A couple of interesting trends here. Uh, Giants are 4-1 and one against the number. Their last five home games against Philly. But when these two teams play, um, eight of the last ten when they're playing uh, the, the Giants are hosting Philly. Eight of the last ten have gone over. You guys love the Eagles this week. Again, 75% of the tickets are backing Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, that dynamic offense on the road in New York here. Well, big emotional game for the Eagles last week. A.J. Brown being able to go up the against revenge the Titans, game, right. um, who let him go. He has a big game. Uh, coincidentally, then gets the GM for the Titans fired uh, following that game. So I don't know if it had anything to do with A.J. Brown lighting them up and him trading them. But a big emotional game for Philly last week. Uh, continue to be the class of, of the NFC uh, with Dallas closely on their tails. Uh, big game for the Giants here, obviously, coming off the tie against the Commanders, staying in the hunt, going to get to play uh, the Commanders again. But this would be a big one for them to be able to go ahead and steal and a big one for the Eagles to go win here. The one thing for me is the Eagles are 5-0 and 
on the road this year. However, however, they're one and four against the spread on the road. So being that seven-point touchdown favorite, see if the Giants can stay in this game, get another cover, and, and Eagles stay potentially as a, a win, but don't get the cover of that big seven points. You know, for for the for the Giants, the, the this is every game's big at this time of year. But next year or next week, knowing that the game's been flexed, they play the Commanders again, really becomes a big game for those two teams for maybe that last wild card spot since they tied last week. Yeah, and the Giants have what they need to do with Barkley to be able to hopefully run on the Eagles, slow the game down. Hopefully there's some weather in in, uh, New York that maybe messes a little bit around with that passing game um, because the Giants do need to play this as a much lower scoring game to be able to hang with the Eagles. Now we're going to look at a game with playoff implications for both these two teams, and that's Miami against the the L.A. Chargers. Uh, Miami played at San Francisco last week. They stayed out west, ended up losing that game. They scored on two big plays, especially early in the game. They had that big play, um, then really struggled after that to get it going. This is a huge game for the Dolphins. I know we talked off air that uh, they, they played then next Saturday night at Buffalo. So three straight kind of really tough games, short work week, having to stay out west. You guys like Miami in this case as well. 72% of the tickets are on the Dolphins. A couple of interesting trends here that really favor the under when these two teams play. Um, 15 of the last 17 times when these two teams have played, even going back to the San Diego days, the game has gone under. And the Chargers, again, going back to San Diego and, 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 and looking at L.A., nine of, the last, nine of the last 10 games at home when they've hosted the Dolphins, have gone under. So not a lot of points scored when these two teams get together. Yet, you look at Justin Herbert, Tua, these two teams can explode. They've got a lot of offensive firepower. But again, 72% of the tickets from you guys so far are on the Dolphins. Yeah, and the char- starting with the Chargers, you know, they're, they're a team that's just been really frustrating uh, to kind of, right. really to kind of watch. When you watch their games, uh, in particular this last week against the Raiders, just can't get anything going. You start to question the play calling. Uh, they squeak out the win on the road at Arizona the week before that um, with a late two-point conversion. So they just haven't been on the top of their game. Um, you talked about Miami, obviously losing to the Niners in the, in the game that Garoppolo gets hurt. Um, right. Maybe that was a chance for them to really capitalize and steal a win there on the road um the big thing for me you talked about it is uh you know they got to get after the right. schedule maker who put them in san francisco <laughs> right. in la and then back to buffalo so sandwiched between having to travel to san fran and then to buffalo next week this becomes a monster game right. um, for miami to stay in this hunt um and, and this is a kind of a, a must-win game with knowing that they're going to have to travel to the tough uh, Buffalo next week. So I think Miami's got this circled. That's why they did stay out west. Um, this is a game that they can go exploit um, the secondary for the Chargers. Um, Waddle didn't have a very good game. I think right. he only had one catch uh, against the Niners, and Tariq Hill just continues to impress right. game after game after game. Um, they do they do have hopefully Mostert healthy and Wilson healthy in this game. Tua is a little bit banged up, did hurt his ankle. I think he came out of that Niner game more as a precaution. Um, the, the Dolphins do also have some um, lineman issues. They got a couple questionable guys on their line so make sure to check those guys status before game time make sure they're healthy if you're backing the Dolphins but for me this is a monster monster game for both of these teams but boy the Chargers have just been disappointment week after week yeah you think about the Chargers if they didn't pull out that last second win against uh, the Cardinals two weeks ago they'd be five and seven right now and for a team that was kind of that Vogue team that they bet to, to win the AFC West uh, to win the AFC and maybe even the Super Bowl, we saw a lot of money and a lot of tickets on the Chargers. And when you look at the schedule, like you talked about for the Dolphins, this game was not originally scheduled to be the Sunday night game. It was flexed into the Sunday night game, which even really kind of gives Miami even a shorter week to get back home and get prepared, flying from the West Coast to the East Coast 
uh, for next week's game. Yeah, the, the Chargers just haven't had it. You know, they haven't had their offense together the entire season. Keenan Allen's been out. Mike Williams has been out. They haven't had a whole lot of time together. Um, they, developing Palmer and Everett as other other receivers there. Eckler's been fantastic. Um, but they just haven't kind of gotten it going all year long. Right. Really, when you watch them on a defensive standpoint, you expected them to get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Um, and they just don't do that. They're not, they don't get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. They give up a lot of big plays. Uh, and Miami, a big play team. It's going to be interesting to see if they can cover Waddle and, and Hill in this game. So now we're going to jump to uh, an NFC game. Uh, two division leaders, one just at 500, the Tampa Bay Bucks against the 49ers. We've got a young quarterback in Purdy now who's been kind of handed the reins. 66% of the tickets are on the 49ers. Um, you look at this game, and it, it screams under a bit as well as five of the last five road games. So five, five straight road games, Tampa has gone under, and seven of their last eight games, they've gone under. So not a lot of scoring when they're on the road. Their offense has struggled this year. But you look at Brady, the way they came back in that game against the Saints. Uh, is this enough to kind of ignite that offense? And without Jimmy Garoppolo, can Purdy do enough? He's getting all the reps this week. They've got a great running back in Christian McCaffrey. They've got good skill position players. They lead the league in, in almost all defensive categories. So you're not going to ask Purdy to have to go out and win the game. Just kind of manage the game. But he's playing against the GOAT in this one, and I think every game counts to both these two teams. Yeah, big game, and we'll see if Brock Purdy can be the guy that, you know, potentially, because we're talking about the Niners being right. a playoff team and potentially a Super Bowl team, can he do enough with their offensive weapons? And um, they've been fantastic at home, 5-1. and one. He's able to come in and finish that game against the Dolphins. And, you know, on the flip side of this from the Buccaneers, uh, you know, if I could, again, add the emoji, and we've talked about, right. you know, our good, the bad, the ugly. But the, the Bucks are an ugly team. I mean, right. they come back and win that game against the Saints, who – you know, we put in that same bucket of just ugly teams. And, right. you know, if I was a GM or an owner of the Saints, I don't know that I let Dennis Allen get off that field uh, with his with his job. I might go Herm Edwards style, uh, you know, let him go while he's there. I mean, right. they, they get shut out at the Niners where they can't score right. um, on 11 plays from inside the goal line. You're up, uh, you know, all that really points. bad clock management. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're throwing it on third and one. You're throwing it on second down. You're throwing it on third down. You got players running out of bounds while you're trying to run the clock out. It's just it was an all around awful job by the Saints, and they and they let the Bucks sneak back in that game. And um, I, I don't know that the Buccaneers went and won that game. Uh, to me, the Saints lost it. Right. You watch Tom Brady throw five and six yard passes to Leonard Fournette the last two drives of the of the game. They didn't really get the big plays. It was just dink and dunk because that's what the Saints gave him, and that's what he did. And right. and, and he went and beat him and. You know, I guess you said it, Tom Brady's the GOAT. He goes and wins those games. But, man, it was really just a, an epically bad game by the Saints they, in a game that they thoroughly, And it was a bad game for us. That, <laughs> in a game that they thoroughly right. dominated and, and right. they let it get away. Tampa Bay has won 8-1 and one in their last 10 games against the spread. Um, you know, I know Brock Purdy, and, and maybe that's the only reason you hesitate, but this is not a good Buccaneer team. And every week we expect them to somehow turn it around, and it's just not happening for me. Um, so if you like them plus the 3.5 or 3, uh, you know, hopefully they get there for you. I think we're going to need them to get right. there. Um, maybe the hesitation from the fans because it's Purdy, uh, but I still think um, it's tough to back the Buccaneers just watching the eye test on, on how they play. I mean, they still play good defense, but the thing that really stood well, out to they me... They don't play good defense. The, the, the Saints' offense is pathetic, well, and they kick field goals when they get inside the 20 on three different occasions. You know, when they, they, they had just given up the touchdown to Tampa, so they're up six points, and they have a 39-second drive. I mean, that just kind of speaks volumes of what that team is going through right now offensively. Just really bad. Um, we're going to look at now a, another AFC West battle. Chiefs-Broncos, 90% of the tickets. The largest count is on the Kansas City Chiefs who come off that loss 
uh, last week. Um, total under in five straight for Denver, plus five straight home games under for Denver. Their offense just doesn't generate anything. Um, we've talked about Russell Wilson the last couple of weeks. They're playing against the Chiefs and all that firepower. And like I said, this is the biggest game on the board that you guys are backing right now where 90% of the tickets are on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Uh, no reason they shouldn't be. I mean, you, we, we, they, so wait, they must, you're they saying must we're going to be Bronco they fans. They must be listening to the show where we have a five-minute rant about the Denver Broncos each and every week. And we, we, and we decided, haven't even got the good, the bad, we decided, the ugly yeah, yet. We weren't going to do the ugly with the Broncos this week. But again, you know, they're, they, they lose 10-9 to the Ravens, who lose Lamar Jackson in the first quarter. Again, they go score nine points, and find, or, or, or only allow 10 points, score nine points, and find a way to lose football games on the last drive of the game. And so how do you have any confidence from putting your money on the Denver Broncos, getting even if it's eight, nine, ten points against the Chiefs, you're you're hoping that they're going to score, you know, or have to hold the Chiefs to 24 points when, and and, and that they're going to score 14 when they just haven't been able to do that against any other team in the league. And now with the fact that they can't generate any offense, and you're going to give the Chiefs that many more chances, you know. So the Chiefs aren't the Baltimore Ravens on the offensive side of the football. You do have Travis Kelsey that can go score points and all the weapons that they have. The one thing that you have going for you, if you want to back the Denver Broncos, and believe me, put your money on the Denver Broncos Defense. because we're going to need to we're going to need to balance some money here with 90% of the money being on the Chiefs. Kansas City is 2-7-1 and one in their last 10 games against the spread. So they're another one. We talk about the Raiders being the cardiac kids. These game after game after game for the Chiefs, they found a way to let other teams hang around, and then they go steal the games late. So Kansas City has not been that, damp, that dominant Chief team that we've seen. They've been winning a lot of these games without covering the spread. I know every week we kind of throw out a fun Russell Wilson kind of stat. Well, Davis Mills of the Texans has more touchdown passes than Russell Wilson. And over the last five weeks, too many offensive touchdowns that Denver Broncos have generated? Three. So it is against Patrick Mahomes, but we'll see. All right, now the last game of the pro slate. We're going to look at the, the, Monday, the, the Monday night game. Patriots-Cardinals. Um, Cardinals are a one-and-a-half-point underdog here. Almost 57% of the tickets are on Arizona at home. And the Patriots are 7-1 and one against the spread when playing Arizona the last eight times. Really big game, I think, for the Patriots to kind of stay in that, that mix a little bit as far as one of the wildcard teams goes. Arizona's just had a ton of problems this year on both sides of the ball. They're starting to get a little bit healthier. They come off their bye week, and they're a small dog at home, but you guys are backing them right now. Uh, as far as ticket counts go. Cardinals 1-5 and five at home this season. Their only home win coming against the Saints. Um, they really struggled at home. Um, obviously, this is a, a, a good team that just hasn't found their way this year. Between right. Connor, Hopkins coming back late, Kyler Murray uh, just seemed to struggle. Watt hasn't been dominant on the defensive side of the football. They just find, they just seem to find ways um, to, to lose, lose games. Right. We saw them play the, uh, a competitive game of football in, in Mexico on a Monday night a couple weeks ago against the Niners, and then they just kind of fall apart. Have the lead against the Chargers, Chargers. fall apart. And now you get this Patriots team where the young quarterback, Mac Jones, is finally starting to kind of get a little bit frustrated and pissed off on that sideline, screaming uh, uh, last week at the offensive coordinator um, that they just can't run the football and that they need to start throwing the football. And so um, this will be interesting to see uh, what looks like, you know, a solid playoff contention team. Right. Um, 
that's that's a little bit angry and frustrated um, getting to go in here and play a Cardinal team. And if they can get right, and we'll see if they throw the ball a little bit more. They Everybody on this team has really underperformed outside of Ramadre Stevenson, who's been a, a really great surprise for them out of the running back um, spot, um, running the ball and catching the ball out of the backfield. He's turning more and more into a James White-type player for right. them um, each and every game and catching the football. But really, really frustrated with their game last week, and we'll see if they can rebound in what is a huge spot for them this week. I know we've talked about kind of, you know, some teams that have been disappointments and, and Denver and Arizona and the Chargers all kind of fall into that mix. And, and you look at Hackett. Uh, Staley and, and even Kingsbury, all coaches were. I'm sure that seat is getting just a little bit warm now as we wind down the season. Who really need to kind of finish strong, I think, to save their jobs. Well, I mean, Hackett in particular, I, I don't know what Denver's plans are moving forward from here. I don't think you're going to be able to move on with Russell Wilson. So Five years at $250 how, how do you million. Keep, how do you keep any of that coaching staff that hasn't been able to make any adjustment in any week to get this offense going. I just don't know what they do there and how long this is going to take because clearly you invested in Russell Wilson and there's not going to be a change there. And and they've just done nothing um, week after week after week to, to make any changes. Um, we saw, you know, change some of the running backs. The receivers haven't been healthy. But for me, Denver, um, you know, one of the biggest question marks as we go into this offseason. And, and it's not going to get any better because they gave up a boatload of draft picks. They gave up a really talented young tight end in Noah Fant who's really kind of playing well for Seattle right now. But if you look at the way the schedule is and say the, the NFL draft, uh, right now I think Denver's in the three spot. If they were to lose the rest of their games and the Bears were in the second spot, lose the rest of their games, based on strength of schedule, Denver would inherit the number two pick in the draft. But guess what? That goes to Seattle, who would pick number two. So uh, unless Russell Wilson can get it turned around, it's going to be a long offseason for the Denver Broncos. So One of the games we didn't mention that I just want to mention I think is a big game this week, uh, obviously with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson falling out. Um, Browns um, heading to Cincinnati. Right. Joe Burrow, one of the biggest wins for us last week, now 3-0 and against the Chiefs, um, able to beat the Chiefs at home. Right. Um, they're 5-1 and at home. Um, they're 4-1 and against the spread at home. I think they're 9-1 and straight up against the spread in their last 10. They've been so very they're a good, team right. that's really been rolling. Um, we saw uh, uh, Watson come back for Cleveland. Um, really not able to do anything um, against the Texans, um, his former stopping grounds. They scored three defensive touchdowns um, to be able to blow out the Texans. Um, so we'll see if Deshaun Watson can get things going against Cincinnati this week. But that's one of the games that I have um, circled this, uh, as well as an interesting game to watch. Um, Bengals just short of a touchdown um, favorite there. Uh, I expect that we'll see a lot of money on the Bengals, but we'll see if a second week can get Deshaun Watson uh, a little bit more into that pace. Get some of that rust and, and, off. And, and obviously uh, a monster return having to go to Houston and deal with all the media hype there. Maybe getting to travel Cincinnati would take a little bit of pressure off them. We did see that game come down a little bit. We were a little bit higher, so there has been some early play um, on the Browns there. So that kind of wraps up the pro schedule right now, guys. We're going to come back for two of our favorite segments here on Bookends, and that's Stephen Money's Fantasy Football Fever and the good, the bad, and the ugly. I can hear John queuing up that music right now. We'll be right back on Bookends. Hey there, my name's Stephen Money, and here's why you should bet on me, the SCN Sports app. These are my best buds here at Station Casinos, like my friend Jimmy here, and he'll help you get on me. Wait, that sounded weird. Cut. It only takes a few minutes to sign up. Just park at any of our 14 convenient sign-up locations, walk in, and you'll be signed up in minutes. And don't worry, I got all your favorite sports covered and a lot of betting options. So what are you waiting for? Download the STN Sports app today and trust the local favorite. Hey everybody, we're back on bookends here at Red Rocks Racing Sportsbook. And now two of our favorite segments as we wind up 
uh, this week's show. And the first is Stephen Money's Fantasy Football Fever. As you can tell, I love saying that. Anyway, quarterbacks first, our fantasy quarterbacks. For me, Jay, I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins. I think that um, all of Detroit has played so much better. It's the highest total on the board this week. I think you're going to see a shootout there. And with Cook and, and, and Hawkinson and, and, of course, Jefferson and Thielen, you're going to see a lot of points scored here. I'm going to go with uh, Kirk Cousins to have a big game here against Detroit. I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm just saying he's going to have a big game. Yeah, we do have a lot of people potentially looking for quarterbacks. We have six teams in bye weeks this week, not from really some juggernaut offenses, so it's not like the quarterbacks that are on bye are, are big-time quarterbacks, but potentially those are guys that you were playing in your lineup, so you're looking for a replacement. But um, I'm, I'm going back to Tua. Again, I, I voiced my frustration with this Charger team, this Charger defense. Um, I think this is a monster game for the Dolphins because of the schedule makers and what they have to do, um, that they have to get a win here. Moving it to Sunday night, um, I think that the Chargers and Dolphins potentially do go up and down the field on each other. I don't think the Chargers can cover Waddle and Hill. Um, Tua, despite the banged-up ankle, I think he has a, a, a monster game uh, throwing the football. I think he throws for 350-plus. Okay. Uh, running back, I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey just because I – you know, it's San Francisco. I know they're going against Tampa Bay's defense, but Purdy's going to lead, need a lot of help. So I think there's going to be a lot of dump-offs to McCaffrey. He's going to run the ball a lot more. I know he's a little bit banged up, but I don't think you're going to ask Purdy to do too much this week, even though he's got some great skill position players. I'm going to go Christian McCaffrey at running back. I'm going to go to, uh, I'm going to, go to the well. Um, and you should always go to the well in your running back position. And the well is anybody playing the Houston Texans. The well, and I like that's that. That's Tony Pollard on, on the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys 17-point favorites. Not going to have to throw the football a ton in this game. It could gonna, be an entry, right? Pollard see a, lo- and a lot of Zeke. You see a lot of Pollard. Right. Hopefully it's Pollard that's able to buck some big runs. Maybe he catches a pass out of the backfield early in the game. Uh, but I think that they're up big here. Potentially not then using Zeke to run the clock out, using Pollard to run the clock out. Um, he puts two touchdowns on the board this week. All right, why? receiver. I'm going to stick with that kind of Detroit, uh, Minnesota theme. I'm not going to go with one of Cousins, guys. I'm going to go with Amon St. Brown. Uh, Minnesota right now is second worst in the league at covering receivers regarding fantasy stats. I think that also it's going to be a high-scoring game, as I mentioned earlier. I think Goff will have a big game. I think Detroit's receivers will be running free if it's DJ Chark, if it's Amon St. Brown. I'm going to go Amon St. Brown here with a big game at home against Minnesota's DBs. You know, I didn't know you were using Kirk Cousins, and I didn't know you were staying in this game for your wide receiver. But I'm going to this game as well. And I'm not going to the wide receiver. I'm going to the tight end, Hawkinson. We must think alike. Yeah. Wow. You know, he's right. he played three and a half years. Hawkinson, uh, Vikings tight end. Right. Um, Lions are 27th in the league against um, the tight end position. But more importantly, just the motivational factor for him here. Played three and a half years for the Lions. Played seven games this year for the Lions. Gets traded in week eight to the Vikings. Has only scored one touchdown for the Vikings this year. He's been hovering around the 30 to 40 yard uh, range uh, in receiving yards each week. But now he gets to return to Detroit. And I guarantee he's had a conversation with Kirk Cousins this week that you got to get me a touchdown in Detroit this week. I look for a big game from Hawkinson this week in his return to Detroit. And we'll see how Detroit chooses or who Detroit chooses to cover, whether it's cover their guy in Hawkinson, uh, not letting him <laughs> get some points, or if they're going to choose the evil of uh, Justin Jefferson. So I'm, I'm thinking that Hawkinson's going to get some play this week uh, in his return to Detroit. So if you're listening to us and you're kind of reading the tea leaves or reading between the lines, over? it is, yeah, <laughs> over on the Vikings-Lions game. 
Um, you know, we don't normally give out selections, but it just looks like we're both thinking a lot of points in that game. All right, now, our favorite segment. I know John has queued up the music. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're going to jump right into the good. I think, for me, it's UNLV basketball. We haven't shown uh, the Run Rebels a lot of love over the last few years on bookends. They're 8-0. They've got signature wins against Minnesota from the Big Ten. Uh, they've beaten Dayton, who was ranked, I think, 24th at the time. They've beaten one of the highest-scoring teams in the country. Defensively, they're playing really well right now. I think a couple more wins, Jay, and they can be rated, ranked. Yeah, uh, again, this soft schedule at the beginning where you get to play a couple teams that you get your win, get your game going. We'll see as they start to get in the conference schedule, but good to see them come yeah. out of the box and get They're some They're scoring wins. points, but really playing well defensively. And also in the good, I know we wanted to touch on a little bit, the baseball winter meetings are going on right now. A lot of free agent movement. We saw Contreras go to the Cardinals. For us Cub fans, I just don't get it. But, hey, you know, I'm not Jed Hoyer or Ricketts, so I don't know why they did it. Um, we saw Aaron Judge go back to the Yankees. But really, I think it's the National League East where there's been, you know, three teams have made kind of big moves in the East. Yeah, and I love the Judge re-signing with New York. Again, what he did last year and what he's done for that franchise. Good to see him extend there. Um, yeah, excited about the East with Philadelphia and the Mets. Obviously, when you see the Mets lose the Grom to the Rangers, um, need to go pick up the puzzle. They go get Verlander, pay him a lot of money. It's a short-year contract, but I love them going after the Cy Young winner in Verlander to replace him. Now he gets to hook up with his old mate in Scherzer, who he's also pitched with. Um, um, so, you know, that's good for the Mets. Right. But they're fighting this Philadelphia team, right. who we know um, is going to be missing Harper for quite some time. Um, but they make the, the signing of, of the offseason for me. Obviously, talk about Judge and DeGrom, uh, but Trey Turner leaving the Dodgers um, taking a less of an offer than what the Padres had offered him right. to sign with Philadelphia, wanting to go to the East Coast. They signed him for 11 years, so he'll be 41 years old. Um, but him and Harper are obviously going to get to know each other well. But adding him in the top of that offense with Schwarber and the rest of those guys, they've also picked up Dynamic. Walker um, from a pitching staff standpoint after letting go uh, of Gibson and Eflin. So really like what the Phillies are doing. And obviously the Braves made a bunch of moves there as well. So the NL East with the Mets, Phillies, and, and Braves, boy, that's going to be an incredible uh, run uh, next year. Right. There's still a lot of movement going on. We know that there's there's three shortstops out there in Swanson, Correa, and Bogarts that a lot of teams are in on. But just want to go back to Judge really quick. Um, there was a lot of reports yesterday that you know he was close to signing with the San Francisco Giants. And from all indications, it looks like he took a little bit less money to sign with the Yankees. Uh, can you imagine the, the baseball schedule is already out for next year. Opening day in Yankee Stadium next year was the San Francisco Giants at the New York Yankees. Could you imagine if Aaron Judge would have been in a giant uniform? So, anyway, let's go to the bad right now. We've talked about it. It's football. It's two teams that we are just bashing, and that's the Saints offense and the Broncos offense. Both teams had leads for most of the game. Both teams found ways to lose 10-9 and 17-16. On the money line, would have been monsters for our side of the counter. We didn't get them. I just don't know what's going on offensively for those two teams. I know it's tough for Denver. They're not going to move on from Russell Wilson. But I think if you're the Saints, don't you give Jameis Winston a shot to maybe come back and, and kind of invigorate that offense a little bit? He's got the big arm. They've got Chris Olave, Landry. You think they could kind of spread stuff out. Right now it's a lot of dunk and dink. They try to open it up a little bit with Olave. For me, they just don't get it done enough. But for me, the bad, and I know we've talked about it, Broncos and Saints offense, Come on, man. Well, we did him a favor. We didn't put him in the ugly this week. And it's just frustrating week after week. Um, and, and you can't say that it's on the defensive side of either of these two teams. Saints allowed 13 points to the Niners last week. Um, obviously, they give up the 17 points to the Bucs. Um, but they're hanging in the game. The defense are is trying and, and, and playing well. It's just... 
they're just so bad on the offensive side. And you question the play calling, you question the clock management, um, just everything about these two offenses is just, uh, it's atrocious to watch. And, and we're essentially always needing these teams, which makes it even more heartbreaking from us on the standpoint. Right. So if you've been making money by betting against um, the if Saints, you have and, and been, been betting uh, against the Broncos, right. continue to, to find that, uh, that ease in picking those teams. Now, again, they both did cover this week. They were only one-point losers, um, but they were, it was heartbreaking for us because um, either one of those teams that went on the money line um, it would have, been a, it would have right. been a big win, obviously, with the big underdogs that they were. All right. Ugly. We're going to switch gears. We've talked about you know, almost every sport. We're going to go to the NBA. And there was a TV show that kind of originated here called Tanked. I don't think it's – it's not here anymore, but you, you go to the San Antonio Spurs. I know there's a big fish out there, you know, and they could win the lottery. They've done it with Robinson and Duncan. But this team has been pathetic of late. I know you've got some big stats on how bad the San Antonio Spurs Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't realize how bad it was watching the game the other night against Phoenix. I think they lost by 38. And I said, man, this, this Spurs team has really been getting – not not only beat, but they've been getting throttled beat, right. uh, game after game after game. So Winton looked, and bear with me, Chucky, but the, the, Sam, the Spurs have lost 11 straight games. They've lost nine straight games against the spread. They've lost 16 of their last 17. And in those last 17 games, they've lost by 43, 38, 37, and 31. So it wasn't just my imagination in that they've been getting throttled. They've literally been getting throttled in some of these games. And they've got them, some young players, uh, Johnson and Jones. and uh, I mean, they've got some guys that can score. But they really struggle to play defense. Um, and, and obviously, like I'm saying, lost 11 straight and lost 9 against the spread. They're in our ugly category. They're in our ugly category for a reason. So if you're looking to make money in the NBA, I think they play the Rockets um, later this week. Maybe take a chance that they lose 12 straight and they lose 10 against the spread and play the Rockets laying whatever the number is against this ugly San Antonio Spurs unit. We like to say when we watch an NBA game that everybody makes a run. We're still waiting for the Spurs to make that run this year, guys. Anyway, always love being on with you guys. Hope you got some good information, some great facts. Um, we're here at Red Rocks Racing Sportsbook. Jason, I'm Chucky. We'll see you guys next week on the Sports Betting Podcast bookend.